Welcome to the weekend message from Mariner's Church Mission Viejo Campus. Whether you're listening across the street or across the globe, we hope you'll find encouragement for your daily life through this podcast. One person will say he is risen. The rest answer, he is risen indeed. So I'm going to slip that in every now and again. And uh, if, if you celebrate and delight in that, you're more than welcome to join me in the response. We, uh, we want to welcome you. We're so glad that you're with us this morning, even if you were bribed or you were begged or you're just here uh, because of the attractive parking situation um, or uh, the first John um, implements in the back. We are, we are really glad you're here. And Bleacher folks, welcome to the home of the Cougars, okay? Just... You can go ahead and stomp, all right, instead of clapping. (laughs) Yes. All right. Um, If if this is your first time with us, my name is Mike, and uh, and we're delighted that you would be here. As John said, check out uh, the bulletin you were handed, and if you are a part of our church family, remember next week, if you normally go to the 9 o'clock service, what time are you going? Oh, yes. And so you have to be... So you really, you'll have to leave your house at 8.30 to get here at usual time, uh, which is usually about 15 minutes after we start. But Jesus is totally cool with that. Um, and, uh, and then we have a 10 o'clock service, which only if you're new to our church, you're invited to. And then uh, we'll have an 11.30 service, and that will be no problem for the 11 o'clock people because they usually show up at 11.30 anyway. So we're not even telling them it's a change. We also, if you're part of our church community, we also have something called Rooted, that this is the last weekend to sign up for. It's a 10-week discipleship experience, and we want to let you know to do that online. Now, for us, this morning, we get to party a little bit, because this is a day when millions and millions and millions of people around the world gather to proclaim, He is risen. Well done. Turn to 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, if you have a Bible, if not, no worries, we'll put it up on the screen for you. This, uh, if you're new to the Bible, these letters, a lot of the New Testament are letters written from a guy named Paul to churches or to church planters or to pastors and that he's giving counsel and wisdom to. And this, uh, this particular letter is called 1 Corinthians because there is a 2 Corinthians and it's written to a church in Corinth and Paul, and, and this will shock you. Even in biblical times, churches weren't perfect. I know, it is shocking if you're here and you're new to church and you're like, it's full of hypocrites. Yes, yes, it was back then, it is today too. This is nothing that surprises Jesus. We're all recovering sinners. Now, uh, Paul is writing to some folks who have some questions and he wants to remind them of a couple of things that were central to his teaching. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel or message I preach to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this message, this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I've preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. And then he says this, verse 3, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, meaning Everything I told you can be summarized in this. This is the most central thing you need to remember. That Christ, and Christ isn't Jesus' last name. We always make that joke, right? Christ means Messiah. So Messiah died for our sins, 
according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, or Cephas, and then to the 12 apostles, and after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Now, for Paul, the resurrection of Jesus isn't the extra point to the touchdown of Good Friday. He's risen? Okay, all right, all right, all right. We'll use that to cover all poor attempts at humor. Now, we, uh, for Paul, the resurrection was central, and the whole thing ties together. The life of, of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. And when Paul speaks of resurrection, he doesn't mean, hey, it's the good news that there's life after death, although uh, that's good news. He's not referring to Jesus coming back spiritually, living on in the hearts of his followers. He's not referring to that at all. Resurrection for the Apostle Paul meant a new kind of embodied existence. It wasn't just resuscitation of a corpse that would die again. It was the transformation of a body into a new kind of body. And so when we gather on a day like today, we are looking backwards 2,000 years because we believe 2,000 years ago something happened that changed the way the world works, that this Jesus was vindicated by God and needed to be because crucified messiahs were failed messiahs in the first century. Still today, right? I mean, you would think Messiah would come, Savior, Rescuer would come and demonstrate great power and authority by vanquishing the enemy. And that's what the Jews of the day thought too. But this Messiah insisted that he was to suffer. And even though he kept telling people this, when they saw him hanging on a cross, they gave up hope. And it wasn't until the resurrection that they realized that God had vindicated this Jesus that he was who he says he was. So we look backwards on a day like today. We also look forwards on a day like today because later on in, in this letter, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about what God did for Jesus, he will do for all of those who follow him. And in fact, he will do for the whole world. That there will be a transformation, a new heaven, a new earth, new bodies given to us. And for some of us, that's very good news. Right? My son asked me, Daddy, will you still be bald in heaven? I said, absolutely, because Jesus was. Um, you, have to, you have to know the original languages to kind of figure that one out a little bit. Um, and, and so, well, I grew up in Ohio. Any, any Buckeyes? Okay. The people of God have gathered, clearly. Um, we... Uh, and, and Ohio is horrible for its weather. Every, everything else about it is, is so much better than California. But, uh, oh, come on. But in the middle of winter, after months of gray, after months of cold and sleet and ice and snow days, out of nowhere would come a 60-degree day. Usually at the end of February, early March, you couldn't predict it. It would only just give you that day. All of us with pale skin would flock and get sunburned, you know, in like four seconds. And you had to soak up enough vitamin D to last you for like the next two months. Because although you got to taste it that day, it, you didn't get the full dose of spring and summer until later. And if you will excuse the very poor analogy... 
The resurrection of Jesus in the middle of human history is like an Ohio spring day. It's a taste of what's coming. It is God's declaration that he is not giving up on the world, but in fact, he is in the process of making all things new. And so we glimpse, we look backward at the vindication of Christ, we look forward at the transformation of creation, but we also celebrate his presence here with us because the resurrection of Jesus means he is not in his tomb. He is alive and well and working on planet Earth, and many of us have met him personally. And Paul uses an interesting phrase in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, all of this happened according to the scriptures. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was risen according to the scriptures. And that's a very Jewish way of saying that the resurrection and crucifixion of Jesus is the culmination of this big epic story that the Bible records. I don't know if you're much familiar with the scriptures, the Bible, but they can be pretty intimidating. 66 books, a lot of different authors written in a lot of different genres. But there is one basic story that the resurrection encapsulates. The story begins with God creating a world full of intention and intelligence and creating human beings at the apex of his creation. Not to demean the rest of it, not to subjugate the rest of it, but to take care of it. Very early in the story, it says that humans were created in the image of God. And that they, however, faintly reflect certain features of what God himself is like. And so that human worth, even thousands or millions or however much time has gone by, later, even our worth is not based on how much we own, hallelujah, how good we look, double hallelujah, it's not based on how successful we are, or how many friends we have on Facebook. It is not based in any way, shape, or form on anything other than simply being human. That all shapes, all sizes, every single speck of you is significant, meaningful, valued, created, and loved. That part of the story lasts two chapters. Now, we're still loved and meaning, you know, we're still full of meaning and we're still loved and still made in God's image, but very early in the story, and I know this will shock you, human beings decide to go their own way. God invited them to live in his good world and they wanted to do their own thing. I know it's so hard to fathom because we're so much different, but what happened in the biblical story is that evil entered the world. Sin and death entered the world. And don't let the word sin throw you. It's just a Greek word that means to miss. There's a target, you shoot at the target, you miss, you've sinned. And so the biblical story says that God created a good world, that you and I rebelled against his good rule, and as a result, sin and death and evil have tainted everything. That doesn't mean it's pushed all of God's goodness out of the world, it just means that everything has a dark side to it. And so we rightly grieve over earthquakes and tsunamis. We rightly protest the abuse of children. We rightly shake our fist against oppression and injustice. 
All of those are specks of a God sense we have that evil shouldn't be here. It violates something in us. And so, very early in the biblical story, God decisively moves to restore his good creation. He invites a man named Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons and daughters. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them. Now, if you don't know what I'm referring to and why people are chuckling, you're probably, it's probably good. There's a little Sunday school song that goes by those words. Now, God calls Abraham, and out of nowhere, he just says, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And through that nation, I'm going to send a rescuer. And so Abraham obeys God. God forms the nation of Israel around him. And generations go by, and God keeps promising, there's one coming, there's one coming, there's one coming, there's one rescuing, there's one who's going to deliver. And we believe that Jesus of Nazareth is that promised rescuer. We believe that he was the one promised for generations who would come and begin the project of the renewal of all things. And that literally, those who come to him get to celebrate the spring day that represents the summer to come. We literally get a taste of what's coming. And the thing about Jesus, I don't know what you think of him. Usually what's so fascinating is that people have a really high view of Jesus. They just don't like the church much. Anyone relate to that one? And if, if you're not a big fan of church, we're so glad that you're here no matter what it took to get you here. And I want to apologize on behalf of the church for how dumb we are sometimes and how hypocritical we are and judgmental we are and how often we put roadblocks in front of people who want to encounter Jesus. Because when Jesus was here, he did nothing but tear down roadblocks. In fact, the most ironic thing about Jesus was that the religious people had a really hard time with him. But the scum loved him. The sinners, I mean, I'm not talking the little bitty sinners. I'm not talking the cheaters on income tax sinners. I'm talking about the prostitutes, and I'm talking about those who'd sold their soul to Rome to collect money and extort money from their Jewish brothers and sisters. I'm talking about the big time, big name sinners. They loved this Jesus. But more importantly, he loved them. And whenever the religious folks would get all up in Jesus' face about it, he would just tell stories about what God's like. God is like a shepherd who had 100 sheep, but he lost one, and so he left the 99 to go in search of the one. God's like a woman that loses a part of a necklace, a really valuable part of a necklace, and she tears her house upside down looking for that lost bit of necklace. God is like a father who lets his rebellious younger son take an inheritance that was not rightly his yet and spend it in Vegas, metaphorically speaking. And this son comes back, having tasted the futility of that way of life, and Jesus tells a story about a father who runs to that son as soon as he sees him. See, the thing about Jesus he keeps walking around saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father God. If you've seen me, you've seen what God's like, which is really good news because Jesus 
is amazing. Which means God is amazing too. And that no matter who you are or where you are, Jesus simply comes to you and at you with a simple offer of rescue. See, Jesus comes with a very simple message. Everyone's lost, everyone's loved, and everyone's welcome. He comes announcing that God is now definitively working to reverse the curse of evil in the world and the curse of darkness in our hearts. And contrary to popular opinion, he didn't come starting a religion. See, religious systems demand we work up to the divine. The gospel of Jesus is that God came down. And so literally, the people of God in the Bible are just called people of faith. Not blind faith, not irrational leaps into the absurd, but people of confidence that God is a God who keeps his promises and that he revealed himself definitively in Jesus. And that is really good news. That's what I'm saying. That's six-month-old for amen. So we celebrate backwards, we celebrate forwards, and we celebrate his presence among us because he still resurrects stuff. He resurrects life, he resurrects relationships, he resurrects all sorts of things that we've given up hope on. Grammatically incorrect, but you get the point. So this morning what we thought we'd do is we thought we'd do some baptizing. Now, the ancient Christians on Easter Sunday would do something called baptism. And baptism just means immersion. It means to take somebody, put them in water, and lift them up out of water, which is the good part, right? Putting them down, well... And, um, and, and you have to understand the significance of baptism, because we're going to do some baptizing this morning. The significance of baptism isn't that this is what makes us right in God's eyes. You have to understand, God doesn't require that you get cleaned up first. He doesn't require that you get your doubts answered first, or your habits taken care of, or those dark parts excised out of your heart. He just comes wherever you are, with an offer of rescue and redemption. And baptism pictures this, because in baptism, somebody goes into the water, and that symbolizes the death of their old self. And then they come out of the water, picturing a resurrection of a new self. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. And so we celebrate that inward transformation through this outward symbol. And it's always something uh, we want to do on Easter, and we always invite people who weren't prepared to get baptized to get baptized, too. I remember there was an 87-year-old gentleman a couple of years ago who had never been baptized in his suit, white suit, white tie, salmon-colored shirt, classier than I will ever be in my entire life who wanted to be baptized by his 50-year-old son. That 
is resurrection on display. That is an invitation we want to give you. And that's something that Garrett and Tracy are going to do this morning. They're going to be the first fruits of our baptism celebration. So welcome them up if you would. This is Garrett and Tracy. I know, I know. You all right? A little nervous? Yes. I freak out if I speak in front of more than five people. Good, then freak away. The lights make it hard to see the people back there. Yes, but the cougar. cougar Just speak to the cougar. Oh, yes! Oh, they're there! (laughs) I love them. All right, so Garrett. Uh, I, I just, I want them, I want to baptize them to show you what it is we're going to be doing, but I also wanted them to share uh, a bit with you about how they've encountered the risen Jesus, and so Garrett, would you tell us just a bit of your story? Sure, can people hear me all right? Yes. yes. Good. Uh, so I was raised in a, uh, a family that was not particularly uh, Christian at all. We'd go to church on Christmas and Easter, maybe if the parking lot wasn't full. Uh, then you would not have back. been here. No, no, we definitely would not have been here. <laughs> Uh, you know, high school, college, beyond, I realized that I was missing something. Yeah. Didn't know what it was. So I searched in everything that I think, you know, the material world presents as a solution. Yeah. Trying to be successful, money, popularity, engaged in an extremely long list of self in, self-indulgent sin, selfishness, whatnot. Uh, that didn't work. Uh, fast forward. Married to my wonderful wife, have two kids, have a job, have a house, have the American dream, and still I had this kind of sinking feeling in my stomach, this desire to be looking for, I mean, I was looking for something. I didn't know what it was. My wife had found Jesus a couple years earlier, and she said, that's what it is. You need to go find him. (laughs) Um, Husbands, how many husbands can relate to that right there? The nagging sense of wife. Okay. But... Uh, oh, I'm just partially kidding. But <laughs> sorry, that's all right. But you're a skeptic at heart. I am a huge skeptic. I had a. I'm very analytical, and I just didn't get. I, I needed a sign. Like I wanted a burning bush. I wanted like a, a, a booming voice, talking animal, something to. Uh, <laughs> To get me there, honestly, I mean, I had a huge struggle. Um, so I started reading authors, various ones that at least knew more than I did, and I came across a passage at one point that said, "You have to believe first, and then you'll ha- then you'll know it's true. You can't try and find the scientific, whatever kind of knowledge, absolute proof first. You'll never get there that way." So I tried that, uh, but I was still having trouble believing. So I was praying, please. You know, give me a sign. Give me something. How, how recently was this? Uh, it was a year and a couple months. A year and a couple months. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we were at service at the Mission Bureau campus, and there's a uh, children's program, and I tend to relate to kids really well. Um, <laughs> and there was one child that stood out to me for some reason in the service. Just really, I connected with whatever you're doing out there. Um, anyway, so my wife sent me to Toys R Us later that day, and... Uh, I'm walking down the aisles. All of a sudden, this little human comes running at me with a sword. The same kid, right? Same kid. Well, I was going to get to that. After. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, dang it. Uh, anyway, he spoiled it. But uh, So this kid comes running at me, starts chopping at me with this foam sword. And he says, this is what they killed Jesus with. And uh, 
So it just, and it was, and it was the same kid. It was the same kid. And it was the same kid. Did you get kid. that? It was, it was the, the same, same kid from kid. earlier that day. And uh, so I figured, you know, I'm just going to take a leap of faith. I did that. And I still have a ton of questions, like you said, but I've realized a couple things. One is, if you don't pursue God, he's not going to really show up for you, most likely. I don't, at least that's my experience. Passionately pursue him. The other thing is, when I was living, you know, in sin for myself, I thought, this is freedom. I don't want to be tied down by, you know, all the, the Bible teaches, and particularly Jesus <laughs> and his word. But what I found is, it, it's actually really quite liberating. It's difficult at times, but it's incredibly freeing. So That's awesome, dude. That is why I... You did it! You did it! All right, now hold on. The cougar has spoken. So, Tracy, as one who found Jesus just, you know, a couple of years before, why do you guys want to get baptized today? Um... Yep. He whispered, she's going to cry. Um, I also didn't always walk the straight and narrow. I made a lot of bad turns. And, um, but one thing was always constant, and that was Jesus' love. And that was hard for me to believe always, but it was true. And I wanted Garrett to know that love. I love him and for us to be able to do this together is like a fresh start and a new beginning and there's no other place I'd rather be than right here right now I mean all of you witness this it's really magical and wonderful and to be doing it with him is just amazing and awesome and I know that that's Jesus's work amen oh my goodness all right all right, why don't you go on that side, Tim, with Tracy. Now, we have Tim purchased baptism heaters. I didn't know they made such things. It's not bad? All right, it's warm. So what we're going to do, it's kind of warm. Relative to maybe the Arctic Ocean, it is warm. So go ahead and stand down here. Now, that, oh, t phone? Keys? Ah, that's fine. They have like a battery. Okay, all right, well, I'll take them. What's the car? not that. Oh. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, what we're going to do, and we're going to do this. There's some, some of you who have planned to be baptized this morning. We're going to do that. There might be some of you who have not planned. We have black t-shirts and changing rooms in the back. So do not let clothes stop you. Now, don't take that too far, but you understand what I mean. <laughs> Go ahead and sit down. Now, this has got to be one of the funnest things we get to do. Yes. All right. I'm going to ask you guys two questions. Do you publicly affirm faith in Jesus Christ? You do? Excellent. And is it your intention to follow him the rest of your life? Then it is with great joy, it is our privilege to baptize you both in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hug each other. You may kiss your bride. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's, we, 
We bought them by the bulk. All right, here's your, here's your thing. All right, now, Tim, where do you want them to go? Go out this way? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, would you thank them again? God bless you guys. All right, so here's what we're going to do. First thing we're going to do is I want to invite you, if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus, I'm going to invite you to do that. We will not guilt you, shame you, or ask you for money. Number two, we're going to invite uh, anybody who would like to to come up and be baptized. We have two pools, two pools that fit two people each, and we will be glad to do that for as long as possible. If you've been baptized before, you do not have to do that at all. If you were baptized as an infant, we honor the faith of your parents to have uh, done that. We also recognize that baptism is something that we consciously choose to declare Jesus. And so uh, you're more than welcome to join us. We also have folks up here who would just love to pray with you. Because here's what we know, brothers and sisters. Although we are a very attractive gathering, I'm not buying it, um, often church teaches us to pretend. Often there's this sense that we got to get cleaned up, we got to get polished, we got to get put right before you can ever show up. And that is not of Jesus. Do you know that? That is not of Jesus. Jesus is the one that cleans us up. Jesus is the one that comes to rescue. Jesus is the one that declares that you are loved before you've done anything religious before you've given any money, before you've done anything good. And I'm so sorry that sometimes the church gets in the way and muddies up that message. And if you're here this morning, faith in Jesus is like, it's like, kind of like a marriage. It's, it's, for those of you that are married, when you say, I do, those are easy words to say. But they change everything, right? They change everything. Because there's a whole new way of living now, a married way of living, as opposed to just living as a single person. There's a new identity as a married couple, as opposed to just living with your old single identity. There is this thing that happens, and we believe that, uh, that Jesus invites us to call upon him in the same way, to simply say, yes, I do. I give you my life. And you have to understand, this is not an act of religiousness. This is totally an invitation to relationship. This is just a risen Jesus coming after you and saying, lay your attempts to live your life your way and to get right with however you understand God your way, to lay all of that down and to receive the God who comes at you first. And we're not big fans of guilt and manipulation in this place. Jesus never used them. He never bribed anybody. He never guilted anybody. He just invited. And so that's all we want to do is just invite. If you've never received this Jesus, we just want to give you the opportunity to do that. And no one's going to be keeping score. No one's going to be checking boxes off of lists. It's just an invitation. So would you do this? Would you close your eyes for a moment? And if you just uh, love to say yes to this Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. And um, it's kind of, it's like marriage vows. It's just, they're just words. There's nothing about the words. It's all about the heart behind them. And if you've never said yes to him, but you want to, I just want to 
guide you in how to do that. Because it's a very simple prayer that you can say in your own heart or you can say it out loud quietly. But just repeat it after me or use your own words. Just simply, Lord Jesus, I want to say yes to you this morning. I want to receive the gift of grace that you give. I want to answer the phone that's ringing. (laughs) He knows who's calling. Maybe it's him. Lord Jesus, I come and ask that you would forgive me and that you would cleanse me. And I want to give my life to you And I want to come into relationship with you. Would you come and fill me with your spirit? Now, um, we're going to keep our eyes closed for this one. But I just want to know if any of you prayed that for the first time. Would you raise your hand in the air? We're not going to embarrass you. Would you hold it up just for a moment if you prayed that for the first time? No one's looking around. Except me. Anybody else? Because what the scriptures say is that anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus, the word they use is saved. That there's a transference from life, or excuse me, from death to life, from darkness to light, from lies to truth. And so we celebrate as a family together. And Lord Jesus, I pray your blessing over those who have just indicated that they want to give their lives to you. Would you come and would you meet them powerfully? Would you come and would you mark this day as a day of rescue and redemption, as a day of salvation? And most importantly, Jesus, would you save completely those that have been given into your care? Now, brothers and sisters, we are going to worship And here's how it's going to look. If you uh, prayed to receive Jesus, we would love you to come forward. We want to give you a Bible, and we'd love to pray with you. If you would like to get baptized, we want you to come forward. We'll give you a t-shirt if you don't have one, and we'll give you a small towel. Um, If you you have prayer needs, um, if there's just some stuff that today kind of ruins this celebration for you, a diagnosis that hangs over you, or family, a family conflict, or whatever it is, um, we'd love to just pray for you. For the rest of you, I want to invite you to stand up now, and we're going to sing, and we're going to celebrate this resurrection. So uh, would you guys come forward? We have folks up here changing rooms. Let us know what we can do and how we can serve and worship together. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Mariners Church Mission Viejo Campus. For more information about Mariners, visit www.marinerschurch.org.